Good morning, Christ Prez. We've been in this series on First and Second Samuel. In the past few Sundays, we've seen David anointed as king. We've seen him defeat Goliath, and we've seen him living in a cave. This morning, I want to back up a little bit and look at one of the most famous of all friendships, the friendship between David and Jonathan. The scriptures are First Samuel chapter 18, verses 1 through 4, chapter 19, verses 1 through 4, chapter 20, verses 30 to 33, and chapter 20, verses 41 to 42. And I would encourage you to pause this and to read those if you haven't already done so. Let's look at what these passages show us about our need for a true friend, what true friendship is, and then how to be a true friend. So first, our need for a true friend. You know, after David defeated Goliath, Saul became very envious of him. He couldn't handle David's success and popularity. I'm not sure how you handle your envy, but what Saul does is he tries to kill David six times. And it's just kind of a nightmare scenario because David is in the king's household now. He has married one of Saul's daughters, and he never knows when Saul might just go off into a rage and try to pin him to the wall with a spear. All husbands know that on some level their father-in-laws want to kill them, but it's usually not this overt and explicit. That was a joke. All that to say, these chapters, 18 through 20, they mark one of the most dangerous periods of David's life, and it's David's friendship with Jonathan that gets him through. At the beginning of chapter 18, Jonathan and David make a covenant with each other, and at the end of chapter 20, they renew that covenant. It's like their friendship surrounds and encompasses all this hardship. It's no exaggeration to say that David is only able to, to survive this dark period because of his friendship with Jonathan. Their friendship is what gets David through this evil time. Now, if David, the anointed one, needed a friend in order to survive this hard season of his life, don't you know you need a friend too? When you think about it, there's something totally unique about the love of a friend. Your family might be there for you, but why? Because they're your family. They're kind of stuck with you. They didn't choose you. It's possible that they'll be there for you and at the exact same time, not even like you. But a friend is chosen. A friend is someone who has chosen you. A friend is someone who will be there for you, not because they have to be, but because they want to be. In the book of Proverbs, we read that there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And that word sticks, it's a word that is often translated in the Old Testament, cleave. It means holding fast to someone out of loving, steadfast commitment. You see, friends don't stick with you because they're stuck with you. They stick with you because they love you. Our lives are shaped to a great degree by the friendships we form. You know this, that our friends will either help us down the path of wisdom or the path of foolishness. Friendship will be for us either a school of virtue or a school of vice. But either way, our friendships will have deep lasting impact on the course of our lives. If we want to survive and thrive, we need a true friend. Now, one of the reasons this might sound a little strange to our ears is that friendship is so undervalued in our culture. C.S. Lewis wrote this, to the ancients, friendship seemed the happiest and most full human, fully human of all loves, the crown of life and the school of virtue. The modern world, in comparison, ignores it. Close quote. 
Are there ways we've ignored it, ways we've undervalued it? Do we think we can survive and thrive without a true friend? In his wonderful little book called Spiritual Friendship, the author Wesley Hill highlights several threats to friendship in our time. I'll note just one. Hill calls it, quote, the myth of the ultimate significance of marriage and the nuclear family, close quote. See, these relationships of marriage and family have been elevated to such a high level of significance in our culture that friendship is usually forced to the margin of our lives, or sometimes it's pushed out of the picture entirely. You know, on one hand, secular culture tends to emphasize romantic and erotic relationships. On the other hand, religious conservative culture tends to emphasize family relationships. The most important thing, it's assumed, is to promote and preserve the nuclear family, which is actually really hard to square with Jesus' teachings about family or Paul's teachings about marriage, but that's another sermon. The point is, friendship is undervalued, and as a result, too often, those relationships tend to get squeezed out. And yet, those relationships might be the ones we need the most right now. David's story shows us friendship is central to living well. In order to survive and thrive, we desperately need a true friend. So what makes for a true friend? What is it exactly that we need? What does it mean to be a true friend? Now, I think it's fair to say that Social media has has somewhat distorted our understanding of friendship. Uh, to have 500 Facebook friends is not friendship. You know, the old American Standard Version says this, He that maketh many friends doeth it to his own destruction. If anything, the more friends we have, the less likely we are to experience true friendship. In the book of Proverbs, uh, we we get the suggestion that while it's easy to have Many acquaintances and companions, true friendship is much more rare. We read many claim to have unfailing love, but a faithful person who can find. So what is it? What is true friendship? Well, let's look at some of what we see in Jonathan's friendship with David. First, we see constancy. Their friendship is constant. It's covenantal. They've committed themselves to friendship with each other. We read this, then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. You know, think about how different this is than the way we usually go about friendship. We're familiar with the idea of a fair weather friend. The book of Proverbs, for example, notes that everyone is the friend of a man who gives gifts. Everyone loves the guy who gives gifts, but are they loving him or are they only loving the gifts he gives? See, the reality is that most people in our lives relate to us because we are useful to them in some way. And that's often how we relate to others. You know, some people are useful to you for money, others for a good time, others for advice, etc. But we often pursue relationships based on their utility. And when the relationships are no longer useful, when they're no longer providing what we want or what we need, they often end. We often walk away. But David's and Jonathan's relationship shows us that true friendship is qualitatively different. It's marked by constancy. They've committed to be there for each other no matter what, no matter what happens, no matter what sickness or tragedy or personal failure occurs. A friend is someone who has chosen to be there with you and for you. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. See, a true friend sticks with you not because it's convenient, 
but because not not because of what needs you can meet, but because the friend loves you. The friend says, I am not leaving. I am staying whatever comes. You know, think about this. As soon as Jonathan commits himself to being David's friend, he loses a lot. I mean, he is not in this relationship because of what he gets out of it. Uh, He loses his throne. Think about it. He's Saul's son. Naturally, he would be next in line. But listen, we read this. Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. You see, he's symbolically handing over the kingdom to David. As soon as he commits himself to true friendship, he starts to lose. He loses the kingdom. He loses the trust of his father. He's not in this for what he gets out of it. A true friend sees you not as someone who is useful, not as a means to an end, but as an end in itself. The true friend will be there for you no matter what, even if it costs something. So a true friend shows constancy. Let's look at another characteristic. Um, A true friend shows care. Listen again. The soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Did you hear that? Jonathan loved him as his own soul. In other words, Jonathan cared for David as he cared for himself. N.T. Wright says this, What love means first and foremost is taking thought for someone, taking care of them, looking ahead in advance for their needs in the way that you would take careful thought about and plan wisely for your own life. See, this is what a true friend does. This is what Jonathan does for David. And it's what keeps David alive in this dark season of his life. He has a true friend there to care for him. A true friend is caring enough to take the time to understand us, to know where our boundaries are, to know when to respect them and when to stretch them. A true friend pays attention to our emotional state, knows our hearts, meets us where we are and can empathize with us. Friends identify with us. In the first passage we read from chapter 20, Jonathan has so identified with David that Saul seeks to kill him just as he had tried to kill David. Jonathan um, has so identified with David that when David's life is at risk, Jonathan's life is at risk. Jonathan has taken David's burdens on as his own. That's the depth of this true friend's love, which helps us to see that while we can have a lot of acquaintances, It's not really possible to have a lot of friends because caring for someone else as you would for yourself, um, making their burdens your own burdens is costly. It's costly, but this is what a true friend does. A true friend really cares. And then third, a true friend is able to give you counsel. A true friend is aware of who you are and knows what you're going through and is concerned enough about your life to offer counsel. In our passage, we see Jonathan give David counsel about how to escape from Saul and how to survive. Often the counsel of a true friend will be encouraging and positive like this, but sometimes the counsel might be challenging and corrective. Sometimes it might be painful to hear, and that's okay. In Proverbs, we read, better is open rebuke than hidden love. We read, wounds from a friend can be trusted. You know, so often... We think if I really love this person, I won't tell them the ways I see their life is out of touch with reality. We think I love them too much to hurt them like that. But when we do that, family, we're not acting like a friend, but like an enemy. 
We're acting not like Jonathan, but like Saul. In Proverbs, we read, a man who flatters his friend spreads a net for his feet. When you don't tell your friend the truth, when you're only all encouragement and never say the hard word, it's like you're setting a trap for your friend. That's something an enemy would do. See, it's not loving to withhold challenge and correction. When we do that, we're setting our friends up for failure. And so being a true friend means being willing to offer counsel and being able to receive counsel. True friendship provides honest counsel. So family, where does that leave us with friendship? How can we live into this vision of friendship that Jonathan and David give us? Friends stick with you, not because they're stuck with you, but because they love you. Friends know you well enough to offer the care and counsel you need. I mean, isn't that what we want? Isn't that what we really need? Maybe you're thinking, I wish I had friends like this. And so often we don't. So often we live lives of isolation and loneliness, desperate for deep connection and friendship. You might have hundreds of Facebook friends, but is there anyone you can really share the deepest sorrows of your heart with? Even the good friends we do have can't always be there for us, either because they move or we do, or simply because they're busy. David's and Jonathan's friendship awakens in us a longing for deep, meaningful friendship. Hopefully, we want our friendships to be better. But also, maybe we realize not only that we haven't had these kinds of friendships, but that we've failed to offer this kind of friendship to others. One of the reasons we don't have true friends is that we haven't been true friends. How good are you at being that kind of constant friend through ups and downs? How available are you? How consistent? Do the joys and sorrows of your friends really affect you? Do you bear their burdens? You see, one of the reasons we lack true friends is that we've not been true friends ourselves. Even our best friendships have room to grow into this vision that David and Jonathan give us. So what do we do? How can we be truer friends? How can, who can help us in this area of friendship? If you want, to be a, if you want a friend, be a friend. If you want a friend, be a friend. Have you ever heard that advice? There's truth in that, but it's only part of the truth. Because in order to be a friend, first you need a friend. We need a friend to help us be a friend. What we need is a wise friend who can come alongside us and teach us the art of friendship. What the Christian tradition has always seen is that the gospel gives us this friend. Not just a good friend, but the true friend. Here's how one of the old commentaries puts it. There is one friend who loves at all times, a brother born for adversity, the help of the helpless, the hope of the hopeless, the strength of the weak, the riches of the poor, the peace of the disquieted, the companion of the desolate, the friend of the friendless. Brothers and sisters, this is Jesus Christ. Jesus is our true friend. It's a little mind-blowing to think that the God who created the universe desires friendship with us, but you can actually read the whole Bible along those lines. In the beginning, God creates the world and embraces us as his friends. God walks with Adam and Eve in the garden, walking as friends, deeply sharing his companionship. But then in Genesis 3, the fall, we reject the friendship of God. And because we cannot bear to hear the truth, we push God away more and more. And then the rest of the story is about God pursuing friendship with his people and God's people continuing to push God away. So what does God do? 
He finally has enough and says, fine, I won't be your friend either. No, that's what you and I might do. But God comes among us as the person of Jesus to pursue us as one of us. In John's gospel, Jesus is the one who says this, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I call you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. See, Jesus is the true friend. He's the true picture of counsel. He loves us enough to tell us the truth about ourselves, to tell us who we really are, sinners, but deeply loved sinners. He shows us that we haven't been very good friends, and he shows us that we have in him the best possible friend. He's the true picture of care. He takes our burdens on as his own. In our passage, we see Jonathan risk his life by identifying with David. Saul tries to pin him to the wall with a spear. Jesus doesn't just risk his life. He gives his life. He is pierced for us. He takes upon himself all of our failures and all of our failures at friendship. And he bears them and he bears them away as far as the east is from the west. Jesus is the true picture of constancy. Not only was he profoundly misunderstood by his friends, but he was betrayed by one of them, denied three times by another, and abandoned by all of them in the end. And what did Jesus do? He stayed. He said, I am not leaving. I am going all the way to the grave for you. He says, I will love you as my own soul. This is the power for true friendship. Do you want to be a true friend? then you need a true friend. You need the ultimate friend. You need this one who doesn't stick with you because he's stuck with you, but because he loves you. Believe the gospel in Jesus' name. Amen.